Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. Good morning, everyone. Nice to be with you. So how are you guys doing? It's 80 degrees outside and partly cloudy. The temperature's not quite coming down yet. Oh, October's going to go out with a fight, going to keep the temperatures up for a while. But be that as it may, coming into a cool season. And I know um, there's a few of you guys that are planning to come down, so let us know when your dates are, when you're going to be coming down, so we just have an idea. There's always a chance that we might need something. Um, generally pretty well set. But um, anyway, if you're coming down uh, from Canada, we need Saskatoons. I've never had it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But somebody said they're going to bring some jam or something. One of these trips. Um, so we are looking at this day in trivia. And we are uh, on the 21st today live. We usually run about a day behind on the podcast. But here's a, an interesting joke right on the webpage for um, <laughs> our This Day in Trivia. I kind of thought it was cute. Why do grocery workers ask paper or plastic? Well, that's because <laughs> baggers can't be choosers. <laughs> Very, very true. Quote of the day coming from Jean Antelim Balat Salavin says, You are what you eat. Tell me what you eat and I'll tell you what you are. <laughs> true. First black U.S. Navy aviator, I can say it. October 21st, 1948. Les L. Brown earns his pilot wings, becomes the first Navy black aviator. In 1950, he became the first black U.S. Navy aviator killed in the Korean War. Poor guy. Um, U.S. Jesse L. Brown um, was the first Navy ship named in honor of a black naval officer. He was also a recipient of the Distinguished Flying Cross. And there's a picture of him. Looks like a young guy. He looks about 24. And uh, God bless him. I mean, probably, hopefully, he was a believer, so he's in the, with the Lord, but um, served his country. And man, what that guy had, had some um, real energy to go in and um, go against the current, I should say, and, and complete his dream and get his wings. And it's not easy to <laughs> get to learn to fly that well, especially with uh, in the military where you have to learn about attacking and all that kind of stuff. Difficult. But he did it. October 21st, 1879, Thomas Edison succeeds in making the first electric light. It had taken him about 1,200 experiments at a cost of around $40,000. Today it would be 850000 The bulb operated for 13 hours. Now this is interesting. Although incandescent lights had been around for 40 years, Edison was the first to make a practical light bulb. And there's a lot of debate that he stole 
his design, and there's there's a lot of debate on who really was first. He was he was um, ruthless, from what I read in history, and um, of course, he and Tesla were never friends. Apparently, he fired Tesla, and Tesla was one of his employees at one point. <laughs> Can you believe it? Hmm. The fastest woman, Norwegian runner, Greta Waits, becomes the first woman to run a marathon in under two and a half hours. That was in 1979, not that long ago. And, yeah, first transatlantic transmission of speech, 1915. AT&T transmits from Arlington, Virginia, to Paris back in 1915. That's about it. Well, we'll at least got to get in one dad joke. We already did one, but we'll see if there's another we can get over here. Hmm, let's see. Imagine if you walked into a bar and there was a long line of people waiting to take a swing at you. That's the punchline. <laughs> I haven't had to think about that. That's the punchline. There's a long line of people waiting to take a swing at you. All right, I better redo that because that, was, that one threw me up. Hmm. My wife left me because of my obsession for pasta. <laughs> I'm feeling cantaloni right now. Cantaloni. Oh, there, I should say it a little better. If you would open up your Bibles to Jeremiah 25. And we will ask the Lord to bless this time. Thank you, God. Thank you for our time together. And we come expectantly to see the things you want to show us. So... Many of these things we've heard before, but may you help us put them together in our minds, remember them, and um, if possible, God, show us how they relate to what we're going through today, the things that we're going through in the world, to help us live better lives, stronger for your kingdom, better servants, God, more dedicated, more um, with more of you, less of us. So thank you, in Jesus' name, amen. Jeremiah 25. The word that came to Jeremiah concerning all the people of Judah in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah, that was the first year of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, which Jeremiah the prophet spoke to all the people of Judah and to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, saying, From the thirteenth year of Josiah, the son of Ammon, the king of Judah, even to this day, these twenty-three years, the word of the Lord has come to me, and I have spoken to you again and again, but you have not listened. And the Lord has sent to you all his servants, the prophets, again and again, but you have not listened nor inclined your ear to hear, saying, Turn now everyone from his evil way and from the evil of your deeds, and dwell on the land which the Lord has given you and your forefathers forever and ever. And do not go after other gods to serve them and to worship them, and do not provoke me to anger with the work of your hands, and I will do you no harm. Yet you have not listened to me, declares the Lord, in order that you might provoke me to anger with the work of your hands to your own harm. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, because you have not obeyed my words, behold, I will send and take all the families of the north, declares the Lord, and I will send to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, my servant, and will bring them against this land and against its inhabitants and against all these nations round about you. And I will utterly destroy them and make them a horror and a hissing and an everlasting desolation. Moreover, I will take from them the voice of joy and the voice of gladness. 
the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, the sound of the millstone and the light of the lamp. This whole land will be a desolation and a horror. And these nations will serve the king of Babylon 70 years. Then it will be when 70 years are completed, I will punish the king of Babylon and the nation declares the Lord for their iniquity in the land of the Chaldeans and I will make it an everlasting desolation. I will bring upon the land all my words which I have pronounced against it, all that is written in the book which Jeremiah has prophesied against all the nations. For many nations and great kings will make slaves of them, even them, and I will recompense them according to the deeds and according to the work of their hands. For thus the Lord, the God of Israel, said to me, Take this cup of the wine of wrath of my hand and cause all the nations to whom I send you to drink it. They will drink and stagger and go mad because of the sword that I will send among them. Then I took the cup from the Lord's hand and made all the nations to whom the Lord sent me to drink it. Jerusalem and the cities of Judah and its kings and its princes to make them a ruin, a horror, a hissing, and a curse. As it is this day, Pharaoh, king of Egypt, his servants, his princes, and all his people, and all the foreign people, and all the kings of the land of Oz, all the kings of the land of the Philistines, even Ashkelon, Gaza, Ekron, and the remnant of Ashdod, Edom, Moab, and the sons of Ammon, and all the kings of Tyre, and all the kings of Sidon, and all the kings of the coastlands, which are beyond the sea, from Dedan, Tima, Buz, and all who cut the corners of their hair, and all the kings of Arabia, and all the kings of the foreign people who dwell in the desert, and all the kings of Zimri, all the kings of Elam, and all the kings of Media, and all the kings of the north, near and far, one with another, and all the kings of the earth, which are upon the face of the ground, and the king of Shishak shall drink after them. And you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Drink, be drunk, vomit, fall, and rise no more, because the sword which I will send among you, and it will be. If they refuse to drink the cup from your hand to drink, then you will say to them, Thus says the Lord of hosts, You shall surely drink, for behold, I am beginning to work calamity in this city which is called by my name and you shall be completely free from punishment and you will not be free from punishment for i am summoning this sword against all the inhabitants of the earth declares the lord of hosts therefore you shall prophesy against them all these words and you shall say to them the lord will roar from on high and utter his voice from his holy habitation he will roar mightily against the fold he will shout like those who tread the grapes against all the inhabitants of the earth. A clamor has come to the end of the earth because the Lord has a controversy with the nations. He is entering into judgment with all flesh. As for the wicked, he has given them the sword, declares the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold, evil is going forth from nation to nation, and a great storm is being stirred up from the remote parts of the earth. Those slain by the Lord on that day will be from one end of the earth to the other. They will not be lamented, gathered, or buried. They will be like dung on the face of the ground. Wail, you shepherds, and cry, and wallow in ashes, you master of the flock. For the days of your slaughter and your dispersions have come, and you will 
fall like a choice vessel. Flight will perish from the shepherds and escape from the masters of the flock. Hear the sound of the cry of the shepherds and the wailing of the masters of the flock, for the Lord is destroying their pasture. And the peaceful folds are made silent because of the fierce anger of the Lord. He has left his hiding place like a lion. And their land has become a horror because of the fierceness of the oppressing sword and because of his fierce anger. Chapter 26. In the beginning of the reign of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, the word came from the Lord, saying, Thus says the Lord, Stand in the court of the Lord's house and speak to all the cities of Judah who have come to worship in the Lord's house all the words that I have commanded you to speak to them. Do not omit a word. Perhaps they will listen, and everyone will turn from his evil way, that I may repent of the calamity which I am planning to do to them because of the evil of their deeds. And you will say to them, Thus says the Lord, If you will not listen to me, to walk in my law, which I have set before you, to listen to my words and my servants of the prophets, whom I have been sending to you again and again, but you have not listened, then I will make this house like Shiloh, And this city I will make a curse to all the nations of the earth. Verse 7, the priests and the prophets and all the people heard Jeremiah speaking these words in the house of the Lord. When Jeremiah finished speaking all that the Lord had commanded him to speak to all the people, the priests and the prophets and all the people seized him saying, you must die. Why have you prophesied in the name of the Lord saying the house will be like Shiloh and the city will be desolate, without inhabitant. And all the people gathered about Jeremiah in the house of the Lord. When the officials of Judah heard these things, they came up from the king's house to the house of the Lord and sat in the entrance of the new gate of the Lord's house. Then the priests of the prophets spoke to the officials and to all the people, saying, A death sentence for this man, for he has prophesied against the city as you have heard in your hearing. Then Jeremiah spoke to all the officials and to all the people, saying, The Lord sent me to prophesy against this house and against this city all the words that you have heard. Now, therefore, amend your ways and your deeds and obey the voice of the Lord your God. And the Lord will change his mind about the misfortune which he has pronounced against you. But as for me, behold, I am in your hands. Do with me as is good and right in your sight. Only know for certain that if you put me to death, you will bring innocent blood on yourselves and on this city and on its inhabitants. For truly the Lord has sent me to you to speak all these words in your hearing. 16. Then the officials and all the people said to the priests and to the prophets, No death sentence for this man, for he has spoken to us in the name of the Lord our God. Then some of the elders of the land rose up and spoke to all the assembly of the people, saying, Micah of Moresheth prophesied in the days of Hezekiah the king of Judah, and he spoke to all the people of Judah, saying, Thus the Lord of hosts said to me, Zion will be plowed as a field, and Jerusalem will become ruins, and the mountain of the house of the high place as a forest. Did Hezekiah king of Judah and all Judah put him to death? Did he not fear the Lord and entreat the favor of the Lord? And the Lord changed his mind about the misfortune which he had pronounced against him? But we are committing a great evil against ourselves. Indeed, 
There was also a man who prophesied in the name of the Lord, Uriah, the son of Shemaiah of Kiriath-Jerim, and he prophesied against the city and against this land, words similar to all those of Jeremiah. When King Jehoiakim and all the mighty men and all of the officials heard his words, then the king sought to put him to death. But Uriah heard it, and he was afraid and fled and went to Egypt. Then King Jehoiakim sent men to Egypt, Elanath, the son of Akbor, a certain man, and he went into Egypt. They brought Uriah from Egypt and led to the king Jehoiakim and slew him with the sword and cast his dead body into a burial place of the common people. But the hand of Anakim, the, the Shephaniah, was with Jeremiah so that he was not given into the hands of the people to put him to death. So this seems to be taking place before the last chapter where we read about the king of Babylon coming against the city. Not everything is chronological within the books themselves. So it would seem that this is all taking place um, earlier on than what we read yesterday, from my memory anyway. And uh, this is in the beginning, before Babylon really comes on them. And Jeremiah says, hey, it's coming. And there's back, there's backup. There's other prophets that had said this to them as well. And they had been ignoring all of these prophets. Everyone God had sent to them. And God was saying over and over, if you just obey me, none of this calamity will come. You will not have this destruction coming upon you. So, but then we do have the prophecy would come. Then we jump and we have the prophecy within the end times. It's interesting how Jeremiah is so complete in his prophecies, prophesizing the near prophecy, the near prophetic, and also the far, that there would come a day when the entire world would come under the judgment of God. See, he sees, first off, he gives the prophecy, and this is where Daniel was reading. It's exciting to know that Daniel was in Babylon years later, and he's reading Jeremiah. And, you know, he's, he's, can you imagine? It's like, oh, yeah, um, let me see. We're in, prophet, we're in Babylon where Jeremiah years ago said, we're going to be here. We're gonna, God's going to judge us. We're going to go to Babylon. Maybe it's a good idea to read all of his prophecies because he was 100% right in what he prophesied, and we didn't listen to him. We ignored him. So his prophecies were kind of put on the shelf. Obviously, nobody was in captivity. We're reading them. Because Daniel's the only one that figures this out. Daniel goes, hmm, good idea to read a prophet that's been 100% correct in all his prophecies. So he reads it, and there you have it in that chapter 25, where it says you're going to go into captivity for 70 years, and you're going to be set free. And Daniel's reading it and goes, whoa, it's like 69 years we've been in captivity. We're going to, God's going to let us go next year. So he gets all excited. And then he understands that the judgment is going to, come upon the rest of the nations. The judgment's going to come out in Babylon after they're set free. But then Jeremiah jumps, in my opinion anyway, because he's using these terminologies the entire earth. Sometimes people say that that could just mean their earth, the local and the eastern and just in the eastern countries. But we know prophetically that there is going to be judgment across the entire globe of those who have rejected Jesus. And this will be the time of the tribulation. We see these things um, very plainly spelled out in Jeremiah. So this is a very reliable book. What happened, everything that Jeremiah prophesied came true. Daniel backed it up. Daniel said, I can trust this. So he prepared. He got everybody ready. And then they went. When, um, when the invasion came from Persia and, and they came and conquered Babylon, Daniel was ready. He was like, yeah, I knew this was going to happen. And then he's he's got these... Um, 
guys ready to go back and start building the temple. But that time, it's surmised that Daniel was too old. He's like, mm, long journey, I'm too old, I'm just going to stay here. You guys go and build the temple. Which is sad, because Daniel was actually, you know, had never... Well, he was young when he left, but imagine his whole life was spent waiting for God to reestablish Israel. and never, re- never got to see that, but faithful servant nonetheless. Ephesians 4 now. Therefore, I, a prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness and patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Now, this expression, he ascended, what does it mean except that he also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is himself also he who ascended far above the heavens so that he might fill all things. And he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, and some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the service, to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, and to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, We are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine and trickery of men by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects to him who is the head, even Christ, and from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together uh, by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causing the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. 17. So this I say and affirm to you with the Lord that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. But they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity and greediness. But you did not learn Christ in this way. And if indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and put on the new self, which is the likeness of God, has been created in righteousness and holiness and in truth. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry, yet do not sin, and do not let the sun go down on your anger. 
and do not give the devil an opportunity. He who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with one who has need. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Paul is writing to the church. This is really a pastor going straight to the heart of those people that were in the church, and he knew what was going on inside many of them. We can be born again, and God can touch our lives, and at that moment be completely surrendered to the Lord, and just be blessed incredibly. But as time goes on, we can start listening to the old man. We can allow the enemy start nurturing the old nature. And it can affect us in many, many ways. And he's telling them, guys, don't go back to that. Don't look back. You came, that was your former manner of life. All the stuff that you used to do, the greediness, the immorality, the bad speech, this, this, the ugliness, the unloving attitude that you had, greediness, apparently, as we see from Pastor Paul, Rabbi Paul, um, these are things that as believers we can choose to go back to and we can choose to nature that part of the, our sinful nature. And he's simply saying, don't do that. We need to focus on that which is good. We need to be edifying and loving one another. And you see this great, this great call towards sanctification. And he said, we don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit by which you've been sealed. You've been sealed. In Paul's mind, these are saved individuals. But we want to be the pure and spotless bride in Paul's mind. When Jesus comes back, we want to, you know, Paul wanted to present them as the, as the pure and spotless, kind, loving bride, not the arguing, angry, backbiting, stealing, and uh, manipulating bride. And this is who we are. And there is that daily battle to choose to do things according to the Spirit of God and not listen to the Spirit of the age. And so this is a good encouragement as we read this. And we're supposed to link this to everything else he said in Ephesians because he's saying there's a reason why you don't need to go back to any of this. Who are we? We are in Christ. We're seated with him in the heavens. We are blessed above all people. We've been granted salvation by his grace. It's by grace you've been saved, not not by your works. And so the Jews needed to hear this that had been come into the church, and now they're, they're probably dealing with a lot of the <laughs> repercussions of their family and becoming saved and the difficulties of life. And I'm sure some of them were angry. Some of them were mad. 
and uh, upset that the, their life was not getting easier as a Christian. It was getting harder. But he's saying, don't let that affect you in your love and your attitude. Now, on a quick theological bent against side of things, this whole thing about Jesus um, ascending and descending is a really interesting study. And to be fair, I want to say there's really two clear camps on this. Um, what does it mean that he um, uh, ascended other than the fact that he descended first and then he ascended and he led hosts and captive captives and gave gifts to men? Um most of us tend to think that that at the cross there he went that's him going down into Hades and proclaiming victory over the the forces of hell and and uh emptying out um Hades and the the, the um, Abraham's bosom those who had died in faith and waiting for the promise of the Messiah and leading them to heaven i think it's a very valid interpretation there but there are those theologians that say actually what this was was Jesus descending from heaven onto earth and leading captivity captive, leading those out of sin and bondage and giving gifts to men, which were the prophets and the pastors and the priests and the, the evangelists, and those were the gifts that he gave to men. And, uh, and then he ascended back to the Father. Valid interpretation, and there's two views of this, and maybe both are right. So um, I just put that out there for you for your further study because there are some theologians that think that he did not go down and lead captive captives and these kind of things. And they're good theologian people, men I respect. So anyway, thought I'd just bring that up, let you guys think about it. Uh, Charles Spurgeon, God's Multiplication Table. A little one shall become a thousand, and a small one a strong nation. I, the Lord, will hasten it in his time. Isaiah sixty twenty two. Works for the Lord often began on a small scale, and there are none of the worse for this. Feebleness educates faith, brings God near, and wins glory for his name. Prize promises of increase. Mustard seed is the smallest among seeds, and yet it becomes a tree-like plant with branches which lodge the birds of heaven. We may begin with one, and that a little one, and yet it will become a thousand. The Lord is great at the multiplication table. How often did he say to his lone servant, I will multiply thee, trust in the Lord, yea, one's and twos, for he will be in the midst of you if you are gathered in his name, a small one. What can be more despicable in the eyes of those who count heads and weigh forces? Yet this is the nucleus of a great nation. Only one star shines out at first in the evening, but soon the sky becomes crowded with countless lights. Nor did we think the prospect of increase by remote. For the promise is, I, Jehovah, will hasten it in his time. There will be no premature haste, like that which we see at excited meetings. It will be all in due time, but yet there will be no delay. When the Lord hastens, his speed is glorious. Well, I'm sure your mathematicians got that. There is God who adds 
there's a slow increase, there's a promise, we wait upon it, we let the Lord then bring in the next one and the next one, and we see the multiplication. It is by that slow process that we see that God has given us a promise, that he is accomplishing his work, and we need not rush it, but wait upon the Lord. It's how he's been growing the church for a long time. It's how he grew with Israel, per se, and we need to just wait on him. So, Father, we do that. We thank you for this morning, and we thank you for giving us one another and how little by little we see the changes within ourselves, and we see how you are using us, and we see how, God, there are people around us that we love very much that have come to know you or that are coming to know you. We see the sphere of friends that we have around us, of believers in Christ growing, and our faith is strengthening. So, God, we thank you. We thank you for the promise. We thank you for the hope that lies within and the work that you're doing. We thank you for the strengthening of the brothers and sisters that are going through these very difficult times. For those that have family that have been sick, those that have gone on and and, uh, passed or have gone with you into heaven, God, we pray for their continued strengthening and that you continue to add to their families, God, new believers in Christ, other peoples in their biological family. Father, keep us growing in the body of Christ. Thank you for what you're doing in the world right now as far as holding back um, to the last hour the the great war and Father we can only ask that you extend it much much longer pray that you would get us by these next two weeks that we could actually get into November and get through November without seeing a major outbreak of war that would be glorious Father so we pray for that we pray for this the unbelievable coming disaster of the food supply that's going to be all over the world, but mostly Europe, this whole break in the economy that's going to be hitting full force in a few months. God, we need your, we need your, your guidance. We need those in government, those that have the ability to think and to plan the people that have wisdom that are not politically motivated or motivated by a globalist um, scheme of destroying cultures, that you would bring them to the forefront. You would allow them to have their plans put in effect that could then save millions from starving or millions from discomfort, whatever the situation got. Um, Every indicator, every news outlet says this is going to be severe. So, Father, unless it's just propaganda, we ask, God, that you intervene and that you um, that you increase the food production, increase the, the transportation that we not see this, or the energy crisis, God, affecting um, millions of people. Pray for our brothers and sisters in cold countries that are going to be affected by this. And may you use those churches now to have plans for effective ministry, that this could be another open door for the gospel. You'd bless them financially so that they might have the ability to meet the needs of those who are cold. So, Father... We just put those in your all this in your hands as to bless the mission today as we go out with the kids, our service on Sunday. We pray, Father, that everything went really well with the evangelism team last night, that it was a, a well uh, prayed over and, and uh, executed event so that those people had the ability to speak directly to the heart. So thank you for them, God. Thank you for the, what you are continuing to do in our lives and for the new people that are now with us. 
with manna for breakfast that are coming every day. God, we just bless you and thank you for them as we read your word together. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you guys so much. And we will continue this tomorrow. And um, we'll be getting some more reports on things that are going on in the world. Be, Be reading, be studying, because everything that I'm studying shows that it's it's going to be difficult to get through this month without something bad happening. But God is bigger than everything. We can trust him, and we can be waiting that um, God can hold back this whole tide of, of the coming <laughs> the coming global war. So thank you. We will see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.